Now, this summer uh, has been, uh, we have been in a summer-long series called In Christ, and we have been going through the book of Ephesians, and, uh, and it's been a minute, but we're going to finish Ephesians today. Yeah. And so let me see how much maybe you remember. The book of Ephesians, six short chapters. Who wrote it? Paul, yeah. And what do we call Ephesians as a genre? It's an epistle, which is a really fancy word for what? For a letter, and specifically, Ephesians is considered one of Paul's prison epistles because he wrote it from where? From prison. And uh, so Paul is in a Roman prison. He's writing a letter to the church at Ephesus, which is a church he helped plant. You can read about it in the latter part of Acts. And so we have been learning a lot about right doctrine and right behavior. Right belief in the first three chapters, right behavior in the latter three chapters of Ephesians. And so because, I mean, I know that you guys are sharper than attack. You remember everything I say. And, uh, and even though it's been three, almost four weeks now since we were in this series, um, we're going to do my favorite thing, and I know it's your favorite thing too, we're going to review. So take a look at the screen. Here's the first eight parts of this series. In the first part, uh, first part of Ephesians, we said, uh, we talked about who we are in Christ. This was from Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 1 through 13. Oh, it's perfect. I, I put it on the screen for you. Uh, we talked that uh, how many of you, extra credit, have your post-it note right now? You have your post-it note on you right now. Look at this. All right. Yeah, see, I got my post-it note right here. It's been, my post-it note's been in here for like five or six years. But we, we, we had a post-it note that day to remind us who we are, that we are in Christ, we are loved, we are chosen, we are adopted. Part two, we talked about the power of the Holy Spirit in Ephesians chapter 1, 11 through 14. Because here's what I know. I know that the Christian life isn't hard. Because I learned that it's impossible. And I need the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. Week three, we just titled To Know in Ephesians 1, 15 through 20. To know the hope, to know the riches, to know the power. Because the aim of the Spirit's activity in our life is to help us know the Lord more deeply. And then in week four, part four, we talked that we said that it is by grace, Ephesians chapter two, for it is by grace we have been saved through faith. Because we know we were dead, and in Christ we are alive. So we're on mission now to make a difference. Part five, talked about how we are one, we are our united body. Because each and every person on earth is equally significant. Because each person possesses the same image of God. And we now can give others the benefit of the doubt because we know who their daddy is. Part six, we talked about mandatory maturity. And I think that our toes were a little sore that morning when we left. But mandatory maturity starts with humility. It moves to be meek. It learns along suffering and is to bear with one another, but is always rooted 
in love. In part seven, we talked about new life and new living. Basically, that salvation is not the finish line, it's the starting line. And that our, we should not look the same uh, just because of God's grace that he saved us from our sin, not so that we can stay in our sin. Part eight, we talk about families now in Christ, having marriages in Christ, our, what our children look like now in Christ, parenting in Christ, and our career in Christ. So that's eight parts, little, little review. Hopefully that freshens up your memory. You're ready to go. You're ready to finish strong. But of course, all of these messages are online on our website, newlife4kokma.org, if you uh, want to give it a listen on the way to work. But today we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. If you grab the orange Bible, if you need a Bible in the seat back in front of you, it will be on page 801. And uh, if you do not own a Bible, you, I want you to take that Bible from the seat. I want you to write your name in it, and it is yours, a gift to you from New Life Church. But I think appropriately, Ephesians 6.10 starts off like this. Say the first with me out loud. Finally. Finally. Here we are, part nine. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And that's how this starts off. I just thought that was a little bit of comic relief for you after all that review to just finally, <laughs> finally be strong. Um, earlier in Ephesians, we discovered through Paul's writing that there are some things that we are to take off. In Ephesians 4.22, this is what it says. It says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. In verse 25, it says, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood, speak truthfully. And then in verse 31, he says, Get rid, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. So, so, and now, so in these previous verses, we've read about the things we are to take off and to put off. Well, now Paul is going to instruct us on something that we need to now put on. And so if we go back to Ephesians 6, verse 10, our opening verse, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on. So we've taken all this stuff off. But now he says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. So the first thing I want to say today is that we must stand our ground. Paul is imploring us, get rid of all this stuff, get rid of all the junk. You are a new man, you're a new woman, you're new in Christ, but now put on the full armor of God so you can take a stand and as now as followers of the Lord we stand we are called to stand and to stand for truth we stand for righteousness we don't bow down to anything or anyone but the Lord our God we stand because if the people of God are not bold enough to stand. I'm reminded of Romans 10:14. It says this, "How then? How then 
can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear if somebody isn't preaching to them? So if the followers of God don't have the boldness and the courage to stand, how will people hear? How will people know? How will they find the Lord? We must stand our ground. We don't stand our ground by, and it doesn't have to look like we, we are in protest against something. We stand our ground because we stand for truth and righteousness. We don't stand our ground to try to be annoying. We stand our ground because it is our calling. We stand our ground because it is for the rescue of others. Over the last several weeks, my family and I, we've, we've driven over 2,000 miles. We've, we've had a lot of fun together. And one of the things we did is we spent, uh, we spent a few days in the Smoky Mountains. And uh, my wife absolutely loves the mountains. And so uh, it's just, there's just something majestic when you see, uh, when you live in Indiana, and then you see a hill. <laughs> You're like, a hill? <laughs> it's just majestic. And so we spent a few days there. And, uh, our very first day, we drove all the way. We left at like 5 o'clock in the morning. We drove all the way to Chimney Tops Picnic Area. And uh, if you've been there, it's such a, it's such a cool little, little place. And we, we ate our packed lunch, and uh, there's a, a river that comes through the Chimney Tops Picnic Area. And, uh, and we always like to go down. The boys and I, we get in the water. We, maybe we throw rocks. Maybe we stack rocks or whatever. And, uh, but we get down to the river, and... Uh, and it is like, it's flowing like pretty heavily, actually. Um, and so it, it was kind of like whitewater rapids down in there. And I noticed that usually you see people all like in the water. Uh, but on this particular time, there's nobody in the water, just people standing on rocks. And so I told my boys, I said, hey, boys, that water looks shallow, but it's actually deeper than you think. And it looks pleasant, but it's actually very powerful. And so be careful and be mindful. No sooner did I say that, not my voice, <laughs> no sooner did I say that, I see probably uh, a, a little boy, probably about eight years old, and he goes frolicking into the water and not understanding the dangers. As he took about his third or fourth step into the water, he fell in because it was deeper than it appeared to be. And the water was more powerful than he thought. And my attention was drawn to him immediately because I hear the screaming of his parents and grandmother calling out his name, and I hear the fear in their voice, and I look out into the river. Sure enough, I see this eight-year-old boy being absolutely wiped away, uh, drug away in the waters, and he, he's going down the rapids under the water, hitting rocks until he clings to a boulder out in the middle of the water. And without thinking, you know, I'm kicking my shoes off, I'm pulling off my socks, and, and I go in after this little boy. And uh, no sooner did I get into the water, and the water hit me up to here, right, and that I felt the power of the current. And I'm not even halfway to this young boy, and now I'm realizing my concern for the boy has shifted a little bit. <laughs> because now I'm kind of concerned for myself. Because at first I saw a helpless little boy and I thought he's never going to make it on his own. And I didn't think twice. I go into the water and now I'm like, 
I hope we make it. <laughs> and so I find my way out to the, this, this young boy, and, and over the course of the next 15 minutes of trying to navigate him down through the rocks and, and trying to pass him back over the river to his father, and uh, several attempts because I would find a gap between the rocks where the water was, it was flowing heavily, and I, could, I would try to get a good stance in the water against the current. And I had to take a really deep stance in the water so I could grab this young boy and try to pass him through this, the, the gap in the water to his father. And after many attempts, finally I found a spot where the, I, could, I could get my feet steady enough and I would really lean against the flow of the water and I would help this young boy finally to his dad. And, uh, and, and then I, I um, uh, luckily there was another gentleman there that helped me then get out of the water as well. And of course, you know, I am not dressed to be in the water. I am, I am uh, in, my, in my day clothes. And, uh, and I do a real quick check because I realized I had my phone, my wallet, and my keys. I, I had everything on me because I just responded. And, uh, and my, my, my shins were and feet were all bloodied from, 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 you know, getting taken away through the power of this water. And, and I kept thinking about this, this event that took place a few weeks ago as I was reading the scripture about Paul imploring us to stand your ground. Because to not stand is to go with the current. To go with the current, you go with it and its destruction. And it is, it is so easy to get swept away. And in this world, it is easy to get swept away with the things of this world unless you dig deep and you take a stand. And standing can be hard because it means that the powers of the current will be against you. But that's why he says, stand firm then. Stand firm. And I, I want to tell the church today, stand firm. Stand for truth and what's right. Because although many times what seems as though everything else is against you, if you stand for what is right, and if you stand firm, you might be able to grab the hand of someone that's being swept away and pull them to safety as well. You see, standing firm isn't just to, to be against something. Standing firm is always rooted in everything we do. All of our actions as followers of God is to help for other people's rescue. So stand firm. We must stand our ground. And I'm reminded of, of, of three young men that chose to stand their ground as well. Ultimately, it was supposed to cost them their lives. You see, in the book of Daniel, there was a king named Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar thought that he was a bit of a god himself, and, and, uh, and, and so he built a large golden idol. It was supposed to be spectacular, and, 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 and the instruction was that whenever the horn blows, Every person bows their knee and worships this man-made idol made by Nebuchadnezzar. But of course, there was three young Jewish boys that said, we don't bow our knee to anybody but God Almighty. Nebuchadnezzar heard of this, and so they, they had a rule. Anybody that does not bow their knee to this idol and worship this God will be thrown into the fiery furnace. But of course, if you know the story well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego... They get confronted for not bowing, and they say, uh, it's, still, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hard no for me, dog. It's, still, it's not going to happen. And so, uh, ultimately, he says, well, if you don't bow, you'll be thrown into the fiery furnace. 
And their response was, basically, they took their stand in saying, our God in whom we serve is able to save us. And I think those words probably angered Nebuchadnezzar a little bit because then he instructed for the fiery furnace to be uh, heated seven times hotter. And it says that even those that were helping to uh, put, throw in the three young men into the fire were consumed by the fire and died. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego taking their stand all the way into his seven times hot fiery furnace and they look in the furnace and they see a fourth man that looks like the Son of God. And you know the story, they were rescued. But how many of us, with the threat of something that would destroy our lives, destroy our income, destroy our families, how many of us would still stand and take our stand? We must stand our ground. Because here's what I know, and you've heard it before, but if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And it saddens me, and it breaks my heart to see well-intentioned followers of Jesus that are trying to live good lives, wanting to do the right things, but they are falling for everything. And morals and righteousness is slipping away in the lives of many people that claim Jesus as their Lord. Because if you can't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And sometimes standing for something means it goes against the current. And in our, we have a, a world today that we don't like to be against the current. Because if you're against the current, you'll get called out. If you're against the current, you're called names. If you're against the current, you might be canceled. But, but God's call is, he says, we must stand our ground. Because if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Ephesians 6, verse 12. For our struggle is not, everybody say not. It's not against flesh. It's not against blood. But what is it against? It's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Well, well, my God, how do I stand against something like that? Well, the second thing I want you to know is that because we don't stand against flesh and blood, but against principalities of darkness, we must stand armed. We have to be armed. Because if our struggle is not against people, flesh and blood, but it's against spiritual forces, then Paul says, therefore, because of that, put on the full armor of God so you can stand. This is what he says in verse 14. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the, breast, with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So we see here the full armor of God, the belt of truth. How important is a belt? 
Well, I guess it depends on the size of your pants. <laughs> but for me, my belt's pretty important. But to them, a belt wasn't a fashion statement. A belt holds your weapons. Belt of truth. Breastplate of righteousness. Right living. And right standing. Feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. Which means that we are fitted with feet that are ready to take a stand. and Ready to move forward. Ready in the gospel of peace. The shield of faith. It takes faith when the arrows are coming your way. It takes faith. It takes faith to stand against the current. It takes faith. The helmet of salvation. It's almost as, as though it's a reminder because your mind will play tricks on you. The devil wants to come and whisper into your ear, just turn and run, man. The arrows are coming. You're not built for this. You're not good enough for this. Are you really saved? Putting doubts in the helmet of salvation, protecting our minds, our thought life. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword, our only offense, is the Word of God. So it's, in, it's intuitive, imperative that we know the word so that you know what to stand for. Because if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for what? Anything. I want you to notice something about the arm of God. We have the belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, the readiness of the gospel. We have the shield of faith, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit. I want you to notice something about the armor of God. That there is nothing, no part of the armor of God that protects your back. There's no part of the armor of God that protects your back. Because a life following Christ is not designed for retreat. It's designed to stand. It's designed to face, with faith, fiery arrows and to move forward. Following Jesus is not for the cowardly. The armor of God does not protect the back. It's not meant. There's no turning back. The armor of God. Because for those that serve the Lord, there is no retreat for us. There is no turning back. We were called and equipped to take our stand. So we, we take a stand. James says, submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee. We resist. We fight. We get knocked down. We continue to fight. We stumble. We get back up. We continue in the walk of faith. Because the moment you turn your back, you're exposed to those fiery arrows of the enemy. And you will be struck. And you will fall. The Christian life was not meant for retreat. So listen, Christian soldiers, get back up. Keep moving forward. Take the hit. Take a stand. And last of all, we must stand fearlessly. Fearlessly. 
Fear is such an, a great tool of the enemy. I think the devil does an incredible job He's such an imposter, really. He has a very large bark. He sounds really scary. And I think that it's appropriate for the devil to operate in darkness because once the light's turned on, you see that the dogs of doom are just the chihuahua biting at your ankles. Because if Jesus is your Lord... And he spoke the words, it is finished. And he has the keys to the kingdom. Then this devil has got nothing on you. The word says that no weapon formed against you will be able to prosper. We talked about it before, but in this new covenant with Jesus, when, it, when the Hebrews would make a covenant with one another, one of the things that they would do is that they would exchange belts with the person they're coming into covenant with. They would exchange belts because belts hold your weapons. And in their covenant agreement with one another, they're saying, listen, brother, I take off everything I have to defend myself, and I give it to you. Well, I give everything I have to defend myself, and I give it to you. And the word says, no weapon formed against me will prosper because in this covenant we have with Christ, everything Jesus has to defeat the devil, everything he has to defend himself, he's given to you. And now no weapon will defeat you. But fear, fear will convince you. I think that is one of the, the things that, that can plague us the most is fear. Fear. We must, so we must stand fearlessly. Listen to some of these final words of Paul in this letter. He says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Of course, we read in 1 Corinthians how praying in the Spirit is so edifying to ourselves. But he says, Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with, and with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. Pray for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given to me, that I will, watch this, fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I declare it fearlessly as I should. And may this be our prayer. That as we stand firm, stand our ground, we would do so fearlessly. Fearlessly. 2 Timothy 1.7 God did not give you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I struggled with fear for many years. Many years I struggled with fear struggled with fear and worry and it wasn't until my daddy he taught me how to stand on the word of God in times of concern and fear he made me memorize scripture in Matthew 7 do not worry about your life look at the birds of the air they don't sto store they don't 
so they don't reap, but your heavenly Father feeds them, how much more will he take care of you? No one by worrying will add a single hour to their life. And I memorized, for God did not give me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And as a fourth grader, I would just speak those words over and over in the presence of my fear. I would say, God, this fear is not from you. Because from you, I'm powerful. I'm in the right mind. I'm good to go. I'm equipped. And sometimes you have to know the word, believe in what God said, or you'll fall for what you see. He says, pray for me that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Again, I go back to Romans 10, 14. We said it earlier. How then? How can Kokomo call on the one they've not believed in? How can the city of Kokomo believe in the one they've not heard of yet? And how can our city of Kokomo hear without somebody preaching to them? Oh, pray that we declare it fearlessly taking our stand, standing equipped with the full armor of God, prepared to stand, prepared to take it on face to face, no turning back. It's not designed for the cowardly. It's not designed for retreat. The armor of God is designed for a full frontal attack. And we stand in the power of God. Because if we don't stand, who will? And these are the words of Paul as he begins to conclude his letter to us that we have been in all summer long. So, literally and figuratively, will you stand? <laughs> Let's stand together. Ephesians is, has been such a powerful uh, teaching for us as a church and in so many fundamental ways of who we are in Christ and being powered by the Holy Spirit and helping us to know the grace of God for our lives and, and also what godly family looks like, what a godly life looks like. It is, Ephesians has equipped us in both belief and in proper behavior. And now finally, dear brothers and sisters, knowing all this truth that we've been through all summer long through the book of Ephesians, finally, you've heard it all, we've seen it all, will you stand? Will you take what Ephesians has given us in belief and behavior? Will you apply it to your life? And will you take your stand? What's great is you don't have to stand exposed. You can be equipped in the full armor of God to move forward with faith and hope and power. And it's not designed for retreat, so there's no turning back, but only moving forward. If we don't stand, who will? Let me pray for you. Then we're going to sing one last song. Lord, I thank you for your word. I pray that God, some, that somebody here today would be encouraged to live fearlessly, to know that they, we can be equipped with the full armor of God 
that, that you have called us to take a stand. Because if we don't stand, who will? And standing looks like going against the current. And maybe there are some, some things that seem to be current trends, but will actually take us with the current of the world. May we stand and stand strong. May New Life Church be a church that takes its stand for truth and righteousness. May we take a stand for our marriages and for our children. May we do so always rooted in love. And may we do so always with a love for God, a love for people, and to love sharing God with people. That as we stand in the gap and stand against what's current, that maybe we can reach out and grab others by the hands and pull them to rescue as well. In Jesus' name. Hey, New Life Church, thank you so much for joining us today. If this is your first time joining us and you'd like to learn a little bit more about New Life Church, you can text the word CONNECT to the number 765-347-9127. Again, thank you so much for joining us and we hope to see you guys next time.